following program is paid programming. The views expressed on the following program are those of its hosts and participants, and nowhere reflect those of the ownership, staff, or advertisers of WNRI. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready now, go don't you? Okay, well, welcome once again to Dunn's Deal. And boy, oh boy, I'm going to be fired up tonight, that's for sure. I'm going to be talking a lot about Davos, Switzerland. <clears throat> There's a lot of fun stuff going on over there. And yeah, that's across the pond. It's over in Europe. But there's a lot of stuff. Well, everything I'll talk about affects the United States as well as what's going on there. Oh, and by the way, Davos is... It's the playground of the rich. It's a ski resort in the Swiss Alps. And all the hoity-toities go there. And for years, it was um, just like an enclave of, of all the rich people, the, the kings and queens that, that still exist there in Europe. And... Movie stars, Leonardo DiCaprio would go there, you know, politicians would go there, uh, heads of state and, um, and, you know, leaders of corporations. And they would go and decide what's going to be done in politics, in uh, society, in corporations. And they were making Tons and tons of decisions that that affect us on day to day stuff, like uh, outlawing gas stoves and stupidity like that. You know, uh, demanding for carbon taxes and and things. Just all sorts of of left wing uh, economy killing things. And of course, they would. Have, wine and dine themselves and uh, hire ex- expensive ladies of the night and do some skiing while they were there. So it was a good a good time is usually had by all, but maybe not this time. But before I get too deep in the weeds, I've got to do my intro. And Joe Biden, who was not at Davos this weekend, so I'm going to cut him some slack tonight after the intro. Joe Biden is still not the president. He's the thief in chief. He's dementia Don. He's the king of crappers. And he's the cellar dweller. And like I said, he just missed out on all the fun over there at Davos. But there was one guy that was over there who used to reside in the White House, or not quite the White House. I, f- I forget the name of the building that they have for the, for the uh, vice president. I really can't remember it. And I've got to take my, my shirt off because uh, I'm going to be talking about Al Gore. And he was just full fire in his Southern Baptist preacher, screaming, ranting, raving, and uh, yelling at people, telling them that God is gonna gonna destroy the earth. He's gonna bring massive floods, massive rains, like the days of Noah. Except uh, he wasn't really talking about God or the God of the Bible. He was more like talking about. Um, Mother Gaia, and there'll be more on her later. But just listen to this guy. That's a Gore's speech at uh, at Davos, which involved him yelling about climate change, boiling oceans. <laughs> Have you ever seen an ocean boil? 
No, I haven't. There you go. Have you ever seen locusts with 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 flying around with uh, you know scorpion stingers and and just going after all the people? Only in the Book of Genesis. No, Book of Revelation. Oh, that too. Yeah, that too. Yeah, and and Al Gore is talking about earthquakes and tidal waves and rain bombs. Oh. He was in full Southern Baptist preacher moment going on here. Here we go. He asked, people are familiar with the thin blue line that the astronauts bring back in their pictures from space. That's the part of the atmosphere that has oxygen. The trophosphere, that's only five to seven kilometers thick. That's what we're using as an open sewer. And Gaia is going to open that sewer on us and dump it all on everyone in the world. Oh, and then there's this one. He continued, we're still putting 162 million tons of greenhouse gas into every single, uh, into uh, the troposphere every single day. And the accumulated amount is now trapping as much heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atom bombs exploding each and every single day on the Earth. He blamed the phenomenon for a host of problems, and he claimed humanity is currently facing it. He raised his voice and said, that's what's boiling the oceans creating these atmospheric rivers and rain bombs and sucking the moisture out of the land, creating droughts and melting the ice and raising the sea level, causing these waves of climate refugees. We're all damned to hell. Um, this is the same guy that, what was it, 15, 20 years ago, he was saying that the... the Sea levels were going to rise by, by like ten to fifteen feet, and that all of Manhattan would be submerged. Yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to Stanford, Connecticut this weekend. I'll I'll take a look across the the uh, Long Island Sound there, see if if there's anything left of Manhattan. And of course, Martha's Vineyard would be gone. So you know. Too bad for Obama. His his house is just going to get swallowed up when the seas rise. But you know that that didn't happen. And you know what? The polar bears didn't all die off. So <laughs> Al Gore was just there making a complete and total arse of himself. <laughs> and if you believe that, well, <laughs> you'll believe anything out of uh, Davos this weekend. But uh, let's let's uh, hear a little bit about uh, what John Kerry and friends were saying. As you can see, the Gaia Initiative uh, is very important for us. Uh, the Gaia Initiative, of course, is our planet. It's Greek uh, mythology. is really about how we can make sure that philanthropy also does its part when it comes to saving our planet. So we have a great panel and also a lot of uh, great people uh, in the room uh, that I know is super committed. I couldn't think of anyone, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, that could introduce this topic better than Secretary John Kerry. John, uh, you have been so committed to the environment, oceans, climate, and even as Secretary of State in the U.S. where there is a lot of geopolitics, we know that, it's not a lack of that uh, still, but even as Secretary of State, you put the oceans and climate on top of your agenda, and I don't know any other Secretary of State that has done it in the way you did it, and no other foreign minister. So, it's a pleasure to have you back in Davos, uh, John, my dear friend, and I'll give you the floor here. Thank you. How do we change the way people are thinking about this and talking about it? And why is it that allegedly wise adult human beings, CEOs, some of them, United States senators, some of them, a whole bunch of folks, want to ignore science and want to ignore mathematics and want to ignore physics and somehow cannot bring themselves to do what we need to do? And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we select group of human beings 
because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives, are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about, quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people, they think you're just a crazy tree-hugging, lefty, liberal, you know, do-gooder, whatever. And, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are. Okay, this is the religion of Davos. You heard that first guy, he was talking about Gaia. And Gaia, it's a couple things. It's a um, philanthropy thing, giving to amplify Earth's action, Gaia. But Gaia is also the, uh, the Greek god, goddess of the Earth. And I'll get in, into what... The Greeks believed about her. Actually, I would need another. Well, oh, there it is. Gaia, the mother of everything. So, but you have John Kerry there. And he is, he's going to save the earth. He has been touched. Oh, he touched me. And now I know, I won't sing that Christian song. Um, he's touched all right, but John Kerry's been touched by extraterrestrials. And if you ever notice about, you know, people who try to get, get, uh, really super, um, intelligent uh, about the Bible, you know, super academic is what I mean. And they put it in, the, like, they put Ezekiel or Daniel in terms that, that they can understand. And so they've got Ezekiel and Daniel in the Bible meeting with extraterrestrials. There were space ships that came down, and that's what Daniel and Ezekiel were talking about. So John Kerry's been touched by extraterrestrials. And this, the whole thing about worshiping the earth, about saving the earth. Um, man can't save the earth. <laughs> the earth is indestructible from man. The earth was here before we were. God formed us from the earth. And uh, it'll be here when Jesus Christ comes back. I just want to see, let's see, what is, oh, I like this blessing here in uh, chapter 1, verse 20 of, of Genesis. God blessed them, man and woman, said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase. Nope, oh, wrong one. Further down. There we go. God bless them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Man is supposed to have dominion over the earth, over the birds and the animals and the fish. Yes, and to take good care of it. But what you see at Davos, you see a religious fervor to worship the earth, to worship Mother Gaia, to go back to the time of, of the Greeks. And Mother Gaia, oh boy, what a winner she was. Let's see. <laughs> Her first brood of kids, she had 18 of them. Let's see, Gaia the Earth, ever sure foundation of all the deathless ones who hold the peaks of the snowy Olympus, was the first deity to be born after chaos, after nothingness. She was born from nothingness or chaos, I guess. The gaping emptiness came into being. She was followed by Tartus, the underworld, and Eros love. Let's see. Anyhow, without a mate, 
Gaia brought forth three children, Uranus, the sky, Orea, the mountains, and Pontus, the sea. And it says here, first she lay with her oldest son, Uranus, and gave birth to 18 children. Uh, there were 12 of them. Uh, well, there are a whole bunch of them. There were 18, I meant. Um, and it goes through and how she, she has sex with different offspring of hers. And <laughs> Cronus comes along. He did have a father. The father was, oh, uh, Uranus. Remember? That was the first kid that, that she had children by. Cronus being one of them. And so there, there was a family dispute, let's say. And Cronus, who despised his father, was the only one who wasn't afraid to agree to Gaia's plan and followed her advice. He hid at a different place in the womb, in her womb. Uh, you see, his father, Uranus, was stuffing the kids back into the womb. Uh, yeah, you know, Gaia is the Earth, so you know, I guess that would be possible. But still, Gaia didn't like that and planned to um, to attack her son slash uh, lover Uranus. <laughs> Can I say this stuff on the on the air? And uh, anyhow, she plans with Cronus to kill Uranus. And the chance came the very same night when Uranus tried sleeping with Gaia yet again. Cronus stretched forth his hand and hacked off his father's <coughs> uh, family jewels, shall we say? And afterward, he freed his brothers and sisters, and they became the new kings of the gods. Um, so, uh, it was very interesting reading. Let's see, this is from, oh, the Olympians. Eventually, Zeus becomes uh, king of the the gods. But Gaia is the mother of all, the mother earth. And this is who the people in um, Davos are worshiping. Uh, Gaia is kind of important to them. Oh, that was the other thing that I noticed about the this first guy that was speaking uh, and talking about uh, Gaia, the giving fund. Because not only did it strike me, the, the whole thing, when Kerry was speaking, when this guy was speaking, when Al Gore was speaking, just reminded me of a tent revival. You know, you've, you've got your preacher up there preaching you know, hellfire and brimstone and, uh, you know, saying, you got to believe or you won't be saved. You got to come up here and make the altar call right now, except their altar call is to the earth. And God put us here to have dominion over it, not to worship it. But these people worship the earth. They worship Gaia. And the first guy who was doing the speaking, and I'm sorry that I don't have his name, the uh, European sounding guy. He was a foreign minister from some country. And... He, he was doing, a, you know, not, not an altar call. He was passing the hat around. He was asking for money. You know how in the church they'll, they'll have a tithe. They might even have a special tithe, you know, to, uh, to raise money for the missions going to Africa or something like that. And so they'll have the regular collection, the regular tithes, to, you know, to take care of uh, of the ministry, to take care of the church. And then they'll have the special tithe. And this is what this guy was doing. This new initiative, giving to amplify earth action, will leverage philanthropic, philanthropic uh, capital to generate the $3 trillion needed for each year from public and private sources to tackle the climate change and nature loss. You know, sometimes even, you know, churches or ministries will set a goal. We want, you know, we want $100,000 for our missionary trip. You know, we want 
200,000. You know, maybe it's only 10,000. But these guys, they want 3 trillion for their religion. And it's to come from private sources, but also from public sources. Now, here in the United States, uh, I don't totally agree with, with the idea of separation of church and state. I don't believe that's actually in the Constitution. But it is a doctrine that people will, will fight for. Separation of church and state. Separation of church and state. Well, you know what? This is a religion. <laughs> They've got a god, Gaia. They worship this this god. This god touches them. Oh, she touched me. And now I know. <laughs> I know. I've got a lousy singing voice. And I'm butchering and I'm, it's probably a little sacrilegious. So I'll stop it. But these guys want to raise money for their religion. And um, I don't know. I don't want uh, public funds. I don't want my taxation going towards a religion. I don't want the religion of Gaia, of Mother Earth, being funded by uh, the public funds. Now, if you want to take your money, your hard-earned dough, and go fund the Gaia Fund, you know, go take care of, of Mother Nature, give back to the Earth, you know, more power to you, dude. It's your money. You do what you want. But, um, you know, it's, it's not something we should be putting public funds into. Let's see, here's a quote. We were at a tipping point in our efforts to put the planet back on track to meet our climate ambitions. Oh, by the way, I know this weekend's going to get kind of cold. We might get some snow. Um, oh, they, they, one of their goals is to, uh, the ambition of steering the planet towards a 1.5 degrees Celsius warming pathway uh, hangs in the balance. So they want to lower the temperature by 1.5 degrees. We're having a real wimpy winter. You know? I mean, I like it when it snows. I like it when there's snow and ice out there. There's icicles hanging down in front of your front door. I mean, that that's a winter to me. You know, when we have blizzards, you know, three, four, five feet of snow. I'll just you know, have my coffee in the morning. If there's that much snow, I'm not going to work. That's for sure. And I'll just look out the window, and I'll drink my coffee, and, and just enjoy myself, read a good book or something, or read the good book. <laughs> and they're saying, we were at a tipping point in our efforts to put the planet back on track to meet our climate trend, uh, ambitions. We do not put the climate, the, we do not put the planet back on track. <laughs> To reach the speed and scale required to heal the earth systems, we need to unlock not only private capital and government funds, but also the, the philanthropic sector as a truly catalytic force to achieve the necessary acceleration, said Klaus Schwab, the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. Klaus Schwab can go to hell. That Bond villain. Uh, you know. No, you don't. <laughs> I'm not giving you my money. I don't want you to get any tax money. And I'm not going to give any philanthropic money to you either. And you can go to hell. So, on that nice thought, let's see. Let's, let's pick something here. Take a break, go to um, go to some commercials, and then we'll be back for more. Let's see. Uh, that'll be good enough.
Here's author James Dunn to talk about his soon-to-be-printed next book. The King Philip's War in New England in 1675 defined the relations, for good or bad, between English settlers and Native Americans for centuries to come. Many of the battles are local to the Blackstone Providence area with long-forgotten memorials and grave sites. Smithfield was the Battle of Nipsichuk. The Battle of Sudbury in Sudbury, Mass. was a turning point. Mount Hope in Bristol, Rhode Island was the home of King Philip and the Wampanoag tribe. The Connecticut River Valley was a scene of many bloody encounters between the English and the Nipmuc tribe. South Kingston, Rhode Island, saw the Great Swamp Battle-slash-Massacre. One Englishman stands out in this brutal conflict. He dared to learn to fight like the Indians did and won the war for the English. He was Captain Benjamin Church in the book, Captain Benjamin Church and the King Philip's War. The United States of Empire by James Dunn shows how the U.S. became a worldwide empire. It looks at the entry of the U.S. into both world wars. George Washington had warned us about entangling ourselves in European wars. Before World War I, the United States was not concerned with foreign conflicts. In World War I, we changed the balance of power in Europe. We went in to save the world for democracy. We expelled the German Kaiser and imposed our own idea of what Germany should look like. Propaganda painted the Kaiser as the evil Hun that was destroying civilization. So when the true barbarian rose to power, Hitler, how could we avoid being drawn in again? We saved Great Britain. Britain needed us again in World War II to save their bacon. We bought the hogs. Now we are the empire. The book, The United States of Empire, in paperback, is available at Amazon.com. On Tuesday. Have you been briefed, sir, on the top secret documents that were found at Mar-a-Lago? No. No one has. And so is the National Security Council, but I am not. Were you notified of the FBI's execution of a search warrant at Mar-a-Lago? No, not ahead of time. The FBI spread the documents out on a floor to make a record of what was found. When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, what did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. How one, anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. Okay, so I guess I lied. I, I did have a piece there about Joe Biden. But I want to get back to Davos. And there was a really interesting piece. Oh, I'll have it for you next week. It was uh, the, these two broadcasters, these, these two you know, journalists from, uh, from Canada. Actually, one is from Australia, but they broadcast out of Canada on the Rebel News. And they were going after uh, Bora. Uh, Albert Bora, the, the uh, CEO of Pfizer, and they were just grilling him on uh, on the lies about um, uh, about Pfizer. Uh, asking him about uh, when, when did you know that that your injection didn't work, that it didn't do what it said. You know, first you said it was it worked a hundred percent, then ninety five, then ninety percent, then eighty percent, then seventy percent. Now it's turning out that that the injections don't work at all and they destroy the immune system. So it is dynamite. I mean this guy usually just gets softball interviews but he was chased down and hounded by these guys. It was a tag team, uh, I guess, attack on him. But, you know, he certainly deserved it. He's making millions as the CEO of Pfizer promising that uh, his vaccine works. And it doesn't. There's tens of thousands of people in the United States who have died from the vaccines, not from COVID, the vaccines. And this guy continues to lie about it. And of course, he was at Davos. And all these, 
elites, all these heads of corporations, they're really worried about voices like mine. Yeah, can you believe that? They're worried about little old me. Elites in Davos strategize on how to fight right-wing groups. Hit back. Let's see. One panelist said, uh, NGO non-government organizations are terrible at taking a punch from the right wing. Yeah, we only get shut down, canceled, uh, get careers ruined. Um, yeah, they, they don't know how to how to fight. <laughs> Fighting back against the right wing and the disinformation that spreads is a critical step for restoring trust in non-governmental organizations that are working with governments and other organizations on projects aimed at improving the state of the world. According to the participants on a panel Tuesday at the World Economic Forum in Davos. <laughs> I don't know if you watched any of the stuff from Davos, but they, they kind of look like a cheesy game show, you know, where, where you've got the contestants lined up and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll have one person there, you'll have the, the host there asking questions and, and people are answering them. It, it just kind of looks like some cheesy, uh, you know, uh, game show. A little coffee here. These non-governmental organizations. Did you know that non-governmental organizations are running the southern border now? It's not Joe Biden. It's not the border czar uh, Kamala Harris. It's not the Department of Homeland Security. It is non-governmental organizations that are running the the southern border allowing the invasion allowing the replacement uh, population in which is it could be a, a racist term it could be hate speech according to uh, Texas Representative Sheila Jackson Lee and oh there was a woman at uh, at Davos that was saying it might be hate speech as well Davos. Uh, panelist says the U.S. will soon have illegal hate speech laws. Now, th- this, <laughs> just put this in the category of why should I care about what you say? Because this person that said it is a European Commission VP, Vera Yuva, Yuvora, or Javora. She boasted that the First Amendment will soon be obsolete in America. Oh, really there, Javora? Why don't you go to hell with uh, Klaus Schwab? Um, and if it was just her saying it, you know, I, I would just leave it at that. It's like, who do you think you are? You're just some little bureaucrat over there in Europe who's... Uh, complaining, I was going to say the B word, itching and and complaining about us. But you've got a Democrat. Thank you, Democrats. Texas Representative Sheila Jackson Lee introduces a bill to combat white supremacy. Sheila Jackson Lee introduced The Leading Against White Supremacy Act of 2023, which aims to prevent and prosecute white supremacy-inspired hate crime. U.S. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee has introduced a bill aimed at fighting white supremacy by attaching criminal charges to certain forms of hate speech. Okay, certain forms of speech will now be considered illegal. Texas Democrat introduced the leading against uh, white supremacy act. Uh, okay, it's going to prevent and prosecute white supremacy inspired hate. Um, the conspiracy edition means people who use hate speech online could face criminal charges under the legislation, even if they don't act on their threats. 
This includes a person who publishes material advancing white supremacy or supremacist ideology antagonism based on replacement theory or hate speech that vilifies or is otherwise directed against any non-white person or group. Replacement theory is a replacement fact. It is actually a, um, a program by the UN, they want to replace the the people in the United States here. Actually, they want to flood the United States with uh, with non citizens, and they claim it's because the United States um, its birth rate is is slipping. It it's just falling, and of course, they're going to have to replace uh, all the people that died from the, the uh, vaccine. Uh, there'll be a lot of replacement that'll need to be done, and of course, the, these illegals who are coming in are getting welfare and they're just living off the dole, off living off of taxpayers' uh, money. So, of course, they're going to be good, dependent Democrats probably for a lifetime, if not longer. So, if I say what I just said there. Uh, according to Sheila Jackson's Lee, Jackson Lee's bill, uh, I would be guilty of hate speech. And if I go and say that uh, that the the European um, development from the Greco-Roman times, from Judeo-Christian, uh, you know. Ideology, the combination of that plus the Enlightenment and the Renaissance developed the greatest society ever known to to establish a government. And that government's the greatest that's ever been. Not perfect, but the greatest that man has ever devised. Uh, I guess that would be hate speech as well. Because I'm just looking at Greece and Rome and, well, Judeo-Christian, that's, that's not white. Greece and Rome were, actually, they were very uh, multi, uh, multi-generational, what's the term, multi-ethnic. You know, they had people from all over the Mediterranean. <laughs> they had people from Germany. They had people from Nubia, from, you know. From Ethiopia, from Egypt, from Morocco, uh, it was quite a a mix of ethnic ethnicities. But I would still be called a racist, and I would still be uh, possibly charged with this leading against white supremacy act. Now, it's not going to go anywhere in Congress because uh, it'll be shot down by the Republicans in the House of Representatives. And mm, I don't know. You might get enough wimps in in the Senate. I mean, wimps on rhinos uh, to vote with the Democrats to pass something like that. Uh, so thank God that the Republicans are there in the House of Representatives to stop something like that because the First Amendment should rule, the Constitution should rule whether or not you um, you like the speech. Now, if you act on something that is illegal, you attack somebody, you shoot somebody, well, you've committed a crime. But if you just say something that people don't like, uh, that's not a crime. But it would be called a crime. And the people at Davos want to change the way that we speak. (laughs) They want to label replacement theory talk as hate speech. They want to label climate denial speech as hate speech. If I were to say that Carbon is not a threat. In fact, you need carbon for photosynthesis. The plants breathe in the carbon. 
and they exhale uh, oxygen, for lack of, of a more deep discussion of that. So carbon is not a problem. But everyone at Davos wants us to cut back on our carbon footprint. It's incredible. Oh, there was another good um, good piece out of Davos. Um, I don't have the cut for this either. A lot of these cuts, <laughs> you would only hear the, the journalists speaking. But this, there was one where uh, the journalists were talking to Greta Thunberg. Remember her? The uh, how dare you uh, little child that was screeching and, and yelling at everybody in the world. You're destroying my world. Uh, no, we're not. Don't worry about it, girl. Go back to school. Get a real education. But... There's two things about her this weekend. She got arrested by the German police. She was at a, a, a coal mine, looked like a you know a, a strip mine, uh, you know open air pit, and it was muddy. So there was footage of her getting arrested by the German police as she was protesting the uh, the strip mine, the coal mine. But it turns out it was completely staged. Uh, the The cops were working with the film crew to show her getting arrested. You know, the cops are standing next to her. You know, they're almost at, looking like they want to ask for her autograph. And she's joking with them and and talking with them before the film gets rolling. Then it's time for the filming, and the cops go into action. They arrest her, and they show her being um, being walked out. I, I, I think I also saw one where they picked her up and were carrying her out. And all the while, if you look at her face, she's almost laughing. It's like she's holding back the laughing and the giggling because I think she gets it, that this is all a joke, that you know, she's just loving the attention, she's loving being in the center of things, and she's getting rich. Oh, and by the way, Al Gore is also filthy rich off of uh, carbon set set uh, setbacks, set-offs. Um, it, it, he's got a, a company with a guy by the name of Blood, Gore and blood, <laughs> selling carbon footprint uh, insurance or something like that. And they're making billions of dollars. Anyhow, back to Greta. So the cops stage this, um, this, this arrest. So it's a fake arrest. It, you know, it's totally, um, it's totally false. It's totally faked. It's a total setup, uh, but people still buy it. And then when she was in Davos, uh, the Can crew of Canadian guys got around uh, Greta. And I, I know, was, you know, there's a bunch of full-grown adults that were trying to ask her a question as she's walking down the street. And it did look kind of odd, you know, all these adults talking to her, trying to get her to answer questions, and she's just laughing and giggling. At, at They're asking her real pointed questions. You know, um, uh, did you stage the the arrest yesterday? Uh, you know, uh, the, the price of gas, they're asking her about the price of gas in Europe has gone to astronomical prices. So they're asking if she's happy about that. Um, and I guess Davos is very cold compared to here. And one guy was saying, you know, it's kind of cold here. When are we going to get some global warming so it can warm things up here in Davos? So, you know, 
and they're asking questions of her of her because she's supposed to be the authority. One of them also <laughs> asked her, uh, "Why don't you go back to school and get a real education?" And um, but like I said, she was giggling at him and enjoying being the center of attention. So I mean, you look at her, and it's like she. <laughs> Uh, I guess she's 20 now, so she's no longer a kid. And uh, she's getting it, but she's playing it for all it's worth. You know? Incredible. Let's see. Oh, and then there was the Democrat mansion claims open press is a problem in America. I guess he didn't know that there were people here in America that were listening to what's going on at Davos. People like me. But not just me. Because he got blowback after he said that, that the open press is a problem. (laughs) Oh, we. Yeah, that First Amendment, that is such a problem. It's not only Sheila Jackson Lee that doesn't like those pesky reporters. It's Joe Manchin from West Virginia. And I thought he was a pretty good guy. You know, I, I thought he was like a John F. Ke- excuse me. A John F. Kennedy Democrat. But no, I guess he's more like Chuck Schumer. Uh, you know, Chuck Schumer with, with a southern accent. Let's see. The problem we have is the open press system and basically all the platforms, West Virginia Senator said at Davos. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin was forced to walk back his complaint that free speech is a problem in America because official narratives are being challenged. Oh, he doesn't like being challenged. The problem that we have is the open press system and basically all the platforms, he said, at Davos, alongside other lawmakers, including Governor Brian Kemp, Senators Chris Coombe and Kristen Sinema. So if you're able to have five social programs, platforms, you can basically personify the extremes, somebody who's extremely right or extremely left. And it seems like that is the majority speaking. They're not the majority, but they're the they're driving everybody to make a decision. What side are you on? This side or that side? Uh, yeah, is that a problem? <laughs> and in America, there is only one side, the American side. It's not Republican side or Democrat side. We should be coming together to solve problems from a different angle, Manchin added. Really? There's only one side to a to a, a, a problem. Really, Joe? Oh, later, he, he was on Fox Business. I totally apologize, Manchin said. I didn't explain it properly. I don't mean that the First Amendment sucks. I, I didn't say that. Uh, let's see. The open press that we have, which is absolutely the bedrock of democracy, okay? But there's so much access. (laughs) So it used to be where something was said and it was accepted. And that was it. Boy, don't politicians like that. To have the people just accept them at their word. Don't question me. Oh, don't you question what I do. Don't you question what I say. Oh, brother. And there were 11 members of Congress uh, at this delegation. Uh, Nine were Democrats, two were Republicans. Um, I would would like to know from these Republicans why they went there. Actually, Daryl Issa was one of them, and he said he was going there to hold everyone else. Hold their feet to the fire. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good, Daryl. Got uh, Joe Biden uh, saying the Second Amendment is useless because the government can crush you. Oh, thank you, Joe. You're the president of everybody. Uh, Well, you're not even the president. 
Let's see. Debt ceiling standoff. Didn't even get it. There was one thing. I've got two minutes to go before we close out here. And this is an important thing. Um, Saudi Arabia made a big, uh, big splash there. Actually, probably the only important thing that said that uh, the era of the petrodollar has come to an end. They will now take payment for oil in uh, pretty much anything. Gold, silver, uh, rubles, the Chinese yuan. Uh, you know, if it's got a monetary value, they will do business with you. That means that we're going to have American greenbacks flooding back into this country this year. And that means that the dollar is going to become worthless this year. Yeah, sorry to drop that one on you. But um, that's something that you need to know about. We're going to see really bad inflation this year. There we go. Pozar was right. Saudis confirm non-dollar oil trade plans in Davos. Maybe I'll get into more that more next weekend, next week, because it, it it is an important economic thing that came out. So anyhow, have a great weekend. Enjoy the snow when it comes. This is a Dunn's Deal. Tell your friends and neighbors to tune in Friday evenings at 6.05 for Jim's perspective on the issues of the week. You're listening to WNRI One Socket.